1: From the world-famous Scotty Nitro. I think I haven't seen you in a while. Been a while, guys. Oh, and he said that. I didn't even read his yes. question before that. It's been a while, though. <laughs> Still watch what I can. What is one biggest change Notre Dame needs to do to get some of these five stars to land at Notre Dame? Facilities, staff, NIL, or something else? I agree
2: with Win a championship. championship. Yeah. yeah, win, Win a championship. Win, baby. Yeah, I, maybe. I mean, look, do they need to improve in all those areas? Yeah, they do. They need to pay their staff better, continue to enhance their staff, have better coaches, make sure you're better at other places, all that stuff. And facilities can certainly get better. Uh, you know, even being more competitive in the NIL sphere, certainly, certainly I'm all for that. I'm, there's a lot of things that need to get better. And if yeah. they go out and win a championship and I'm Marcus Freeman, I'm still fighting for those improvements, right? Because I want to go win but- another one.
1: A better but, in the NIL sphere is not pay for play. I just want to throw that out there. because, Right. Like We're again, talking about we with, those within what their name is much.
2: doing. Right. Do yes. exactly what exactly. you're doing now, but maybe instead of handing out, you know, $5 million to your team, you're handing out nine or 10 or 11. Right. But still the same right. way where it's to your player, to your players. Exactly. And there are certain things that you got to do. Got to be in good yep. academics and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yep. Leave uh, the boosters
1: out of it. Leave the boosters out of it. Yes. Right.
2: Well, unless the boosters want to go through the the right. fund.
1: Yep. Right. That Exactly. Yes.
2: Um, uh, I'm not giving money to a high school recruit. If, if I need to pay you to come here, then you're not really coming here for the right reasons. You'll trust me. You'll come here and get co- taken care of. If you're a Notre Dame football player, especially if you're a good one. And if that's not enough for you, then, then you're not really in it for the right reasons. I'm not winning with you. That's how I look at it. That's just how I am at Notre Dame. And, and I know a lot of people disagree. It's all good. We can agree to disagree. At the end of the day, all those improvements may get you some better top hundred guys, but the five stars are still going to go guys it's not that hard listen it's not that hard win because if you win you're going to have more high round draft picks right that that's the byproduct of that right if georgia goes 8 and 4 in 2021 with the same exact players they do not have 15 guys get drafted if lsu has a 10 and 3 Eight and four record, eight and five record in, in like they did in previous years in 2019, they do not have 15 guys drafted. Yes, Justin Jefferson still gets picked. Joe Burrow still gets picked. But if Joe Burrow looked like he did in the year before, guess what? He's not getting drafted. And even if he does put up great numbers and he gets drafted number one, they're still not gonna have 15 guys get drafted. You don't get backups getting drafted because you went eight and four. You have backups getting drafted because you won a title. That's, that's that's a simple fact. It's, go look at it. Some of Notre Dame's biggest draft classes came after their best seasons. It just it's how it goes. So win, win, and when you win and you start putting more guys in the NFL than the Keon Keeleys of the world and the Justin Scotts of the world and the guys like that that you're currently not getting are going to say, yeah, not only can I get a great degree at Notre Dame, but I can go compete for a championship and I can be a first round draft pick. And problem solved. It, it really, it it's not quite that simple, but it is. You've got to kick the door down, and I know people say, well, you can't do that until you improve in these other areas, and there's some truth to that to a degree, but I just believe if you're coaching and scouting the right way, you're going to get your Isaiah Like, does it really matter, Ryan, if you got Isaiah Foskey, who was ranked as the number 37 player in the country? What was he drafted? 40th? 40th overall. Yep. Does it really matter if you get him as a not top 200 guy and turn him into the number 40 player or that you get him as the number 40 player and he stays there? Does that really matter? No, it doesn't. doesn't. What matters is that you turned him in to to a, a big time defensive end. What matters is not that Will Fuller was a top five star player or not. ESPN had Will Fuller's the lowest ranked skill player in that in that class. Right. What matters is that he played like that. Jeremiah Wusukor, Moa, Tyler Eifert, we could do this all freaking day. ESPN didn't even think Quentin Nelson was top 100 player. I don't care about rankings. I care about where they, where they play. And you need more big-time players, whether they're Benjamin Morrisons or, you know, uh, what's an Ellis Robinsons. I don't care. Yeah. All right, just yeah. get guys who can play. And then go win with them, and then it becomes easier to still get those guys. But then occasionally you, because like if I'm Notre Dame and I win a championship, I'm still recruiting the next Benjamin Morrison over the five star kid that needs me to hold his hand and tell him he's pretty all the time. You know what I mean? Right. But I'm going to be able to identify the Keon Keelys and the guys like that that are five stars that also have the right attitude to be to thrive at a Notre Dame, and those are the guys I'm going to go get. And I think that's something that 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 hurt Urban Meyer at Florida a little bit. After the first couple, the first title team is as he got deeper into his tenure, Ryan. I felt like Urban started to go out there and just get big time recruits to rank number one that didn't fit the vision of what, like getting Ronald Powell from California. Yeah. I was like, well, you're, you're at Florida. Why, why do you need to go out there to get that kid? Like, why are you going over here to get this kid? You got those kids that are hungry that want to be there that you want a title with in your region. And I felt like he went away from that a little bit. He went away from the D- Dabo staff, did that a little bit they went away from the developmental kids with the high ceilings and they started landing these highly ranked kids from all over the country that didn't fit who they were and it hurt them. And they're trying to go back to that. So uh, you, maybe you, cause like last year, what would have been the difference if Notre Dame was coming off of a title from the year before? And you know, maybe you get Keon. maybe that's all you get. That's all you'd need. I mean, li- like literally, that's all that's okay. What else would you need? Like, You know, I still don't think they get Peyton Bowen. I I don't think that anything, right? I, you know, maybe they'd have got Caleb. You know, no. Here's who you'd have got, maybe Caleb Downs and Keon Keely. That's it, two guys. Boom, right there. Name me another class you'd want over that one. That's it, right? And that's all the difference would be, Ryan. To me, is is a a title gives you that. And uh, I love this response by JHT 1988. (laughs) We all need to be told we're pretty every once in a while, Brian. That is true. Yeah, that right. is true, but you don't want that needy person that always needs to have their hand held and told how special they are. And that's the kind of five-star kid I do not want. I do not want that kind of guy, Ryan. Right? And you know exactly the kind of guy I'm talking about. Like that headache is not worth it to me.
1: You just said his name a minute ago. So.
2: <laughs> What's that?
1: You just said his name a minute ago. So yeah. I oh exactly yeah, I got you. I was like, I said
2: somebody's name about that. Yeah. Oh, I know exactly yeah. who you're talking about. Exactly
1: yeah. what you're talking about. <laughs> We had a question from Adam Shipley, who says, what is the biggest change you would like to see Jared Parker make in the to the Notre Dame offense? I mean, diversity of running game and RPO. We already talked yeah. about two of the biggest things I want to see, Adam. Be more
2: aggressive throwing the ball down the field. Those are all things that I'd like to see.
1: Troll Hunter says, Brian, any word on Sam Hartman and the wide receivers over the summer? Any intel on their growing relationship? Have they traveled at all? Any coaching camps together, seeing guys throw the ball?
2: I don't know about the coaching camp part. I'm going to leave the things I've heard about this to the premium board. Any, any summer Intel I get this summer is going to go on to the premium board. I've heard a few things and he's not the only quarterback. I've heard something about this summer, Ryan. So, uh, but I'm going to leave that there for now. And we'll put that on the premium board when I get more. I, I kind of like to not just give it piecemeal at a time. I want to get gather it over the course of a couple weeks and then put it out, but that's going to yeah. be a, a message board thing. But it, I will say this: It is important that that's happening, 100. You know, especially with no a doubt.
1: one-year guy at Notre Dame playing right. quarterback for sure, no doubt. Right.
2: Now, the one thing I will say that we've already said before is uh, there's there's a lot of people in the program impressed by the attitude and the work ethic and the in the I'm one of the guys mentality that Sam Hartman brought to Notre Dame. Sam Hartman still carries himself like he's a three-star overlooked three-star kid.
1: Which is meaning he
2: doesn't have that. I'm big time. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm i rank this in all time passing. I'm this, I, I've owned this record. I own that record. He doesn't act like you'd think a guy like that could or should act. It's guys, I'm here to win, right? Let's, let's put into work. I'm just one of the guys. I may be older than most of you, but like I'm just here to work and win. That's it. And that's been true from the day he got here from what I'm told. So that is the one thing that, that, because we've said that before, that is the one thing that I'll say.
1: We had another question from Alejandro Cornell. What are some things to look for defensively week ones to three that will let us know that Notre Dame will look against Ohio State? What will wor- What will worry or excite you guys go IB Nation? We talked about this one a little bit, but, I mean, for me, Alejandro, the aggressiveness and how you're going to use the defensive fronts are the two biggest things for me. Last year I think we saw way too much of – using certain players in roles that I don't think are very beneficial. I'm not even talking about just alignments. I'm talking about asking 265 pound at Howard cross who play a head up technique and try to two gap consistently. Like that's just not going to be a battle that you're going to consistently win, but being more aggressive using his penetration because Howard cross can be a really productive football player in the correct role. And he has been a productive football player when used properly at Notre game, in my opinion. So aggressive, fundamentally sound, but aggressive and penetration style front. Like that's the biggest yeah. thing that I am looking for the first couple of games of the season. You're playing against a couple teams that you have more talent than obviously to begin this year. Or can you get some easy penetration and show that there is a little bit of a fundamental shift to how you're going to play defensive football in 2023?
2: I would add into that fundamental part. They got to tackle better this year, especially in the backfield. Like this team missed so many tackles for loss and sacks last year. If they literally just tackle Caleb Williams a third of the time, a quarter of the time that they had him in their sights in the backfield, Notre Dame wins that game. Even with all the other things going on, I mean, that's the thing is he was not sitting back there with all day to throw the football. Yeah, I mean he 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 was he was having to play Superman.
1: Oh, he was he was running for his life a lot yeah. of that game, man. Yeah, yeah.
2: and and uh, and they needed him to be Superman, and he was right. I mean, that's that's the reality of it. And, uh, you know, tackle better. Good lo- for the love of God, please tackle better. Uh, now they, I mean, they you didn't even get throw the Ohio Lack.
1: State game in there, too, at, yeah. mean, at the end, man. Oh, like, yeah. you need to tackle better in space. Like, yeah. Come on,
2: man. And they were better last year than they were the year before, but still not good. Not nearly good enough. Not nearly good enough. I, I want to respond to this question from Roger Dodger, our resident USC fan. We appreciate you, Roger. It goes, chicken and egg. Can Notre Dame win a national title without building the roster? There's no chicken or egg to that. What? The, the, the the question, Roger. Just so we remember, is the question was to land more five stars. The thing that I led with is that it's kind of like Bama. No, first of all, Notre Dame does get highly ranked guys. This notion they don't get highly ranked guys is just not accurate. But it's you don't need to go win with the guys that are already proven to be elite. And I use the examples of like Jeremiah Koromoa. I use an example of of. Uh, Isaiah Foskey and guys, you know, guys like that who ended up being top 50 k- talents, but they weren't coming out of high school. Benjamin Morrison, right? Benjamin Morrison is exactly what we tried to tell y'all he was, but the recruiting services never wanted to listen. That's why nobody had him in the top 300, not top 300, right? But does, does that mean he's not a five-star now, right? And that, that's my whole point is it's harder because you have to evaluate better, right? It's yeah. easy. It's and easy. develop better, develop yes. better as well. Yeah. It's easy yeah. to look at Keon Keely and say that guy's really good, and you kind of got to screw that one up. Honestly, it takes work and development. right? to your point, the development piece—you don't just get at Jeremiah Wusukor Mo and then throw him out there and say go be a dude. You got to coach him up. Yeah. And Clark was He wasn't, Lee, a he wasn't that the... guy
1: from day one, right? Point. Isaiah yeah. Foskey
2: yeah. had the yeah. God-given ability to be great, but he needed to be developed because he was a two-way guy, a little raw. And, and so that's the thing is, is, is Will Fuller was not an elite guy, but they identified him. They went out and got him and he became a five star. They saw something in him that other people didn't. You've right. got to win those battles. And I think Clemson did a great job of this because everybody says, well, they won because they had Trevor Lawrence. And my whole point is, is, yeah, he was the final piece of the puzzle. But you put Trevor Lawrence on just about any other team in the ACC, and they're not winning a national championship. I don't think if you put him on any other team in the ACC, they win. It. He wins a championship. That's-
1: I mean, you can even you can even look at Trevor Lawrence in the NFL, Brian. It's like you threw him into Urban Meyer debacle, and it's like he didn't look like he could play. And then you finally right. get him with a competent coach in year two, and you're like, oh wow, Trevor Lawrence is still really good. Right? Who they're in fought? the playoffs. <laughs>
2: exactly. Right. Exactly. So you know he was the final piece of the puzzle, and now Clemson did a great job of. Of they get some of those five star kids, Dexter Lawrence and guys like that, but they also did a great job finding those not five star kids and turning them into them. You know, they they landed their Justin Rosses, but again, the money player on that team, they had Justin Ross was great, T. Higgins were great, they were both highly ranked guys, but then there's Hunter Renfro, a walk on, you know. Yeah, Travis yeah, Etienne was a three star commit when a three star player when he committed to Clemson. So you got to find that balance, right? What we're saying is it takes you winning to that level to go out and land the classes that you need. My example that I've pointed to is Auburn. I think that, or I means it's not Auburn, excuse me, Alabama. Alabama was recruited at a very high level under Nick Saban. There's no doubt. They had already landed a top five class. Well, they have landed like the number one ranked class, like six out of seven years the way they did without winning a couple titles early. I don't think so. They still would have been really good, but like six national titles good. I don't know. You've got to kick that right. door down the first time. You know, and I think those are the things that that you look at and say those those are what kind of help get you to that to that level, and and so uh, you know that that's just kind of where I'm at, Ryan. Is you've got to really be good at development, do that, and all of a sudden it's a little it's you can start getting the more that guy's ready to play now type of dude, right? And and that's that's kind of that's kind of the point that I'm that I'm trying to make here is is you do that first, then it gets a little easier that you're going to get the Caleb Downs type of guys, right? Because Notre Dame's not in a situation where like Ohio state was when urban got hired or how state immediately just started recruiting top three classes because urban had already established himself. Most people aren't yeah. in those situations and, and Alabama benefited from that too with Nick Saban, right? I mean, that's why they still got the top five classes that they did early, but I just feel like you've got to go, you know, you've just got to go prove yourself first. And, and because Notre Dame's not a Southern school, they're not going to get the benefit of the doubt if they're not doing those other two things. So uh, the, the, in this instance, there's no, there's no brainer. You can't win a title without building out your roster. It's more about the, how you build out your roster that we're referring to here. You've got to, you've got to find your Joe Waltz. You've got to find your Benjamin Morrisons. What happens next is, is when you win a title, you don't need to find the Joe Walt who is a, a, a sleeper guy. You can also find the next Joe Walt who's already Joe Walt. <laughs> that's the point, right? As long as you do it the right way. And if you're really doing it the right way, you do both. Sure. Right? You get the Joe Walt sleeper, and then you go out and get the Joe Walt that's Joe Walt right now, right? And, and that's the one. David Sanders
1: Jr. Right. right. Yes, exactly.
2: Exactly. Yep. You go out and find the sleeper, Will Fuller, but then you also find the guy that's Will Fuller right now, right? Like, right. you know, you, you get the sleeper guy, but then you also maybe get Jeremiah Smith. Because, like, why is Jeremiah Smith going to Ohio State? Cause he just can't wait to live track. in Columbus, Ohio track, track record. record. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly.
1: hundred percent. hundred percent. He wants to so, be Marvin Harrison or Garrett Wilson or Chris Alabe right. or exactly. every one of them. Exactly. So.
2: And, and, and not even just a couple big time guys, but it's also, it's also Terry McLaurin. It's also per, uh, Paris Campbell. I mean, they're just putting a ton of dudes. Michael in the Thomas.
1: Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Question from Detroit Hunter. If we take. Justin Thurman early as we as we saying we would be open are we saying we'd be open to two running backs since we haven't seen a whole season of production
2: from no I, I don't think that we're saying that at all I don't think it's a given that they're going to take two backs in that class it's not ruled out I mean it just depends right. on how the roster shakes out right I could see I could see yeah. a situation in which they like I would imagine if if let's say they land Justin Thurman this summer do I think they're going to stop recruiting Usman Chroma? I doubt it I think they'll still right. recruit him Will they be able to take him down the road when he's finally ready to decide? Maybe not,
1: Question. Yeah. but you
2: recruit yeah. him for now until then, until you figure it out. I don't think the staff is overly worried about his lack of production because A, he's only played two I've, years.
1: I'm not worried and, about it at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and number
2: two, the skill is there. It's just a high school team that they had an older guy that went to college. They when The, the, the deal was sealed that they wanted him when he came to camp and they saw him work out in person. And yeah. there's enough film to say this kid knows how to play, but it, it also goes down to I'd be more concerned about that if we were talking about an offensive lineman or a quarterback or something like that. But you, running back and receiver unique traits, positions where Ryan works, like I know that he hasn't produced a ton, but I, I see the skill. He can do it. I, I'm yeah. not worried about that. I know he has vision even on the 50 carries that I saw in film. I, I see vision. Yes. Now I just need you to show that vision on 200 carries instead of 50, basically, or yeah. 40 or whatever the case may be.
1: I mean, if this was off of our conversation earlier, Detroit I uh, my whole point was is that I think that Justin Thurman is going to be a big riser in the 2025 class from a ranking perspective because he's going to get a full workload this year. You're going to be like, oh, ran for 1,500 yards and averaged eight yards a carry type of thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Like he's that type of kid, I think. Yep. Um, here's a good one. Big Jim says, apples to apples coming out of high school, Jadarian Price or Keedrin Young? Very different so backs, right? Very different I can, backs. I can only
2: compare them as far as, you're correct, different backs to a degree. I can I can only compare them to where they were as juniors. It's it's unfair for me to compare Keedron as a junior to uh, Jadarian as a senior. But where they were as juniors, Keedron actually grades out a little bit higher than Jadarian did. And I like Jadarian. I had Jadarian as a top 100 back. But I'd have, like if I was doing a top 100 ranking, I'd have Jadarian like 95 90 and i I'd have Kedron like 70 75 80 right so really close but Kedron's just a better player right now then Jadarian went out and got a lot better and he was closer to 60 50 60 than he was 90 so as juniors right now uh, I'd say Keedron slightly better but they were both very good top 100 backs in my opinion
1: and Darius took a big run. step. Well, he took a big step as a senior, right? I, yeah. I, I didn't evaluate him, so I don't really have any much yeah. to add. To and that I, one, I, but.
2: I had him as a top hundred guy with like four and a half star upside. But then senior year, you're like, okay, this is a dude. This is a no brainer, no brainer at that point in time.
1: We had seek and de- seek and destroy. What are your top three reasons why Notre Dame can't close on a five-star talent? Oh man, these are so negative. <laughs>
2: um, uh, So number one, we've already talked about two of them. Pay hey, for play. At, yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that would be three. I'm more referring to, um, mm-hmm. I don't think most five stars are guys you have to buy. I think there's plenty of five stars you could get. It's not, it's not having the championship pedigree. It's not producing a lot of NFL players or any NFL players at the positions where most five stars come from quarterback, defensive line, you know, corner safety positions like that. And then the third one, you, you know, that you could, you could pick any of a different three, Ryan money, right. With yeah. some kids, it's money with other kids. It's location, you know, like Jeremiah Smith, if Notre Dame was offering, let's just say Ohio state paid offered to Jeremiah Smith, the million dollars. And Notre Dame said, we'll match your million dollars. Mm-hmm. They're still going to pick Ohio State. Why? Right? Because right track now, record. Ohio State is, is a program with a better track record of producing elite talent at his position. Notre Dame could say, well, we had Will Fuller back in 2016. Let me remind you all of something. In 26, mm-hmm. 2015, when Will Fuller was out there playing, Jeremiah Smith was, what, eight years old, nine years old? right? Something like, like
1: yeah, yeah.
2: And Ohio State's had a lot of dudes go to the NFL since then. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so – uh, you, there's a lot of other reasons like that location. I think I mentioned, so it's not the same three reasons for every kid for some kids. It's right. the number one. It's the number one reason is they're not offering money. Uh, yeah, like Elijah rushing. I, I'm not, I'm not saying this to be negative because it's, it's a legal thing, but Notre Dame was not going to get him without making him an NIL and an upfront NIL offer. Just, just not going to happen. Right. And, and, i'm not even i'm not saying he's wrong for it i'm not i'm saying that's a reality for it right yep um with keon keely if notre dame would have offered him hey whatever bam has given you we'll give you i don't think it would have this is why i say it wasn't an nil decision it would have mattered because he's thinking long-term investment now if notre dame would have had you know uh let's say turned to let's say romeo aguara was drafted in the first round and Julian Aguara was drafted in the first round and Dalen Hayes was a third round pick and Khalid Kareem was the second round pick and Notre Dame and, you know, won a title in 2015, like they should, you know, like they should have and, you know, maybe made the playoff in 2017 as well. Or then, yeah, maybe you'd have got Keon Kelly, right? That's when, that's how you'd have got Keon. So it's different for every kid, but as far as the consistent theme, it's the top two. It's the, it's, you haven't proven you're a championship caliber team. And you haven't proven at a lot of places that you can consistently put offensive offensive or, or put players in the first round of the NFL draft because Notre Dame's gotten plenty of five star kids at, at off, of offensive line over the years. Charles Jagasaw was a five star commit. Blake Fisher was a five star by Rivals, right? They got him. Um, the, Tommy Kramer was a top ten national player coming out of high school, according to two four seven Sports, number eight I think overall coming out of high school. Uh, they got him. Right, Quentin Nelson was a five star by Rivals. Others didn't have him there. They've gotten those guys. Michael Mayer was a five star. No problem recruiting the top guys there. Why? Because they've put those guys in the NFL. Simple as that. Yep. Um. So, uh, it's, it's it's we talk about this a lot, and I, I know that people want to you know like Ryan like the NIL has become the new boogeyman for Notre Dame fans. It's like what academics used to be. Every kid that couldn't get into school, it's because he don't want to go to class. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah, this kid's a three point nine student. You know, it it has 1300 in the SEC ATs, but yeah, sure. Okay. He doesn't want to go to class. Okay, guys. Sure. Well, whatever you say.
1: Someone on on the board the other day was just like, Notre Dame never gets five stars. I was like, they literally just had one in 2023, but okay. They never get five stars. Like, exactly.
2: (laughs) It's like, whatever. Uh, And and, and here's my other point is okay. So, name me the five star corner in 2022 class that you'd rather have over Benjamin Morrison. Mm -hmm. Name me the five-star offensive lineman that you would have rather had in the 21 class than than Joe Alt. Tell me right. who that is and we'll we'll have this conversation. Right? What matters is turning him into five stars in college and not every five-star right. is that guy and that's what we that's what you focus on. Focus on finding those guys and then it becomes easier to get the other guys.
1: We had a question from Chris Shell says out of current commitments and roster Which receiver do you see having the most successful NFL career? Wow.
2: (laughs) Current commits and rosters. So, this basically comes down to if everyone reaches their full potential, whose game projects best of the National Football League is basically how I'm taking that question.
1: I I guess Tobias Merriweather or Cam Williams would probably be my answer. Like, they're, yeah, I guess.
2: Yeah. That would be mine too just because like you Jalen Greathouse may be the best college player of all of them, but does his game trans? I, he'd probably be in that conversation for me too. He'd be, yeah. in especially because, as like a
1: big slot type. Yeah, know, yeah.
2: Like, cause he'd be a great route runner and you know, things like that. I mean, but there's a lot of guys with NFL potential. I mean, Rico Flores has NFL potential. Braylon James has NFL potential. Micah Gilbert has NFL potential to a different degree. Right. I mean, there's a Caleb Smith has NFL potential in my opinion, but I think just God given ability, I think Tobias and cam probably is the top of my list. Yep. Of the guys that are in the class and on the roster. I mean, you, De- I mean I, well, actually, you know, what's funny. The guy that I think has the most, if everyone reaches their full potential, the guy that I think would be the best player actually is Dion Colsey.
1: It's possible. Yeah. I just think yeah. he's
2: much further away from being that guy. And I have more, I don't, you know what I mean? Like he just, he hasn't shown me enough to make me think he can get there. Right. right. But even him, like if, if Dion would it shock you if, like, the light went off for Dion Coles and he went on like 80 catches for 1200 yards this year and 11 to 12 touchdowns? It
1: wouldn't shock me at all. No, not at all. Not at all.
2: I mean, it'd be a surprise because you don't go from nine catches for 192 yards to 80 catches for 1200 yards very often. But it, I mean, we've seen it before. Go look at Will Fuller's numbers as a sophomore freshman, compared him to what he was as a sophomore, right? I mean, Golden yeah. Tate did similar things. We've seen it before.
1: Yeah, not not, really, not, really not, not a lot of guys, 6'4 and a half, 215 walking around that can run like Deion Coles. Exactly. Like, it's just exactly. Not many guys. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Good, good man. We really got great questions today, guys. We had a question from Carlos Garzantz. Excuse me if I pronounce that completely wrong. I know you've probably answered this before, but in your opinion, besides Irish Breakdown, who do you think does the best job as far as accurately ranking the high school talent when it comes to recruiting?
2: The problem, Carlos, is is this is going to sound like a cop out, but it's not. And the answer is, I don't know. And here's why I say that. A lot of the recruiting services are in flux right now. Like the guys doing recruiting rankings for 247 for most of their existence aren't there anymore doing recruiting rankings. Barton Simmons isn't there anymore. Right. Right. If you'd asked me this question three years ago, I'd have said, do not listen to anything the rival says to you. But they went out and hired some guys that I think are doing a good job. They hired John Garcia who you all know I value, I value his evaluations of recruiting very well. Like they're trying to get better. Some of the guys that I think were jokes of being a part of the recruiting process aren't part of the recruiting process anymore. So I I would, I would say, but here's the thing. There's no one service that is just better than the others. I think there are some services that recruit that evaluate certain positions better than others. That's the reality of it, in my opinion. So right now, I, I don't know if I can answer that question to be completely honest with you. I, I I don't. Cause part of me is like, you know what? ESPN is actually more spot on on some kids than others. And then you see some of their other rankings. You're like, that's stupid. You know, it's every, like every, I, I
1: every ranking, every, every platform has their good and has their bad. Yeah. Point, like in my opinion. There's <laughs> a couple
2: guys that like, like people say oh, on three has a Notre Dame bias. No, they don't because they actually ranked. They, I would be one to bet they ranked more Notre Dame players higher than anybody else last year than any other service. I would be one to argue that. Yeah. You know, like they have Kedron Young as a top hunter guy. They got that one nailed perfectly. You know I mean? There's still a lot of players that ESPN hasn't even ranked too, which is kind of yeah. weird, but yeah. 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 So I, I honestly, I just, uh, I, there's too much in flux. I'll tell you this, if rivals can keep doing what they're doing now, they may have a shot to become the most reliable uh, uh, recruiting rankings in the next couple of years. Because from what I'm told, and I could be wrong on this, Rivals is really working hard at putting together a more legitimate ranking process and taking out the clicks and all this. Stuff. Just like Guys, we want to have a very reliable ranking with input from everybody, and certain guys will have final say, but they're really trying to make it a, a more reliable process, and they're hiring better people. Look, guys, I would not have John Garcia on the show to talk recruiting if I didn't respect that guy's opinion, and they hired him recently. It was a great hire. Some of the other guys that they've hired, I'm like, you know, that's a, that's a quality hire as far as guys that I think can evaluate Are they perfect? They're not even close, right? There's still a lot of work to be done, but I feel like at least now when they miss on a guy, it's a good faith effort or they haven't evaluated a guy. Like, I think they're dead wrong on styles Prescott. I think they're dead wrong on Isaiah Canyon. I think they're dead wrong on Cole Mullins, but I don't think it's an agenda. Three years ago, two years ago, I'd have told you rivals has an agenda, right? I, I, I don't know. I think they're trying hard to get that out of their ranking process, from what I'm told. Now, we'll find out over the next couple of years as the rankings come out. But, you know, so that's what I'm told. But I got to see it, Ryan. I, I have zero faith in the 247 rankings yeah. right now. Not because – I mean, it, I, they used to be the ones I, I had the most faith in because as I didn't really – I'd only been around Barton Simmons a couple times. Yeah. I didn't really care for the mm-hmm. attitude. But you know what I, I did feel about Barton Simmons? That dude's a really smart football guy. Sure. Right. And he put pride in. Let's like, there was one ranking that I thought they were way off on. They had George Karloftis ranking the, like, the top 10. I was like, no way. Guess what? <laughs> they were right. He was that good. I was wrong. Notre Dame was wrong because Notre Dame passed on him. And so you see stuff like that. And you're like, hey, you know, these guys, these guys get some of these kids right. But then you would hear things about how they would rank this kid higher. So they would, he would talk to him. So there's always been a little bit of that. But ever since Barton left, I think there's more of that. There's more of the bull crap that goes into it, in my opinion. Yeah. And that's why I just have no respect for their rankings and their unwillingness to admit, hey, we were wrong. Let's let's fix it. Well, that,
1: that's the worst part is that people aren't willing to say that they were wrong about something. Right. It's just. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Right. And there's always biases and and we have biases. And now you just want to make sure your biases aren't. Oh, he's going to Georgia. Let's hype him up. Right. You know, like if he goes to Georgia, that should make you, here's, well, here's how going to Bama should influence you, man. I, I wasn't high on that kid, but Bama just went after him hard. Let me do a second dive into this kid. Right. Yep. Right. And, and give him another look. Right. You know, and, and then you say, Hey, you know what, man, I, I see what they're saying. I'm going to move him up a little bit, but just going to Bama shouldn't result in up oh, top hundred. You get what I'm saying? Yep. So, um, I mean, two, four, seven, and on three, I don't even, I mean, I just have a hard time taking them seriously, to be honest with you. But on three gets some of them right. I mean, I think they got, they're they the only one that's even close to having Keedron Young right, in my opinion, right? And I think Rivals has them like 217. They're the next closest. I think yeah. one of the others has them still as a freaking
1: three-star. So I think, I just, I, I think on three is doing a lot right. It's just, it's not nearly. Their process stinks. So, that's yeah, the yes. problem. You can't have one
2: guy. <laughs> Who's kind of stubborn and setting his ways? Apparently, driving the rankings because he has the the misses he has are consistent. He was way off on Dante Moore last year. He had him like outside of like in the th- number fifty. He's way off on CJ Carr. There are certain positions he is bad at evaluating. That's as simple as that. Um, I think he's bad at evaluating receivers. I mean, how else do you justify having Brandon Ennis in the nineties and really for bad. a while having Cardinal Tate outside the top hundred? He's pretty good at evaluating linemen, I think, offensive linemen. I think he's pretty good at identifying guys there. Uh, I don't think he's very good at evaluating quarterbacks. He's pretty decent at evaluating linebackers. You know, I mean, so that's the problem when you have one guy doing it because not there's nobody out there in this business that's good at evaluating every position to the same degree. There just isn't. So I, I don't, I just, I have a hard time taking that process seriously. I have zero respect for two, four, sevens rankings. None. Uh, yep. Rivals is trying and ESPN. Here's the thing I like about ESPN. You know, their bias, you know, exactly. They have two biases. If you're from Georgia, Florida, Texas, or California, you're going to get overhyped. And if you go to their all-star game, you're going to get a bump. Sure. I, mean, I just, <laughs> but I feel like there's, a, but okay. I know that now. So then I can take that and look at it in the right, the right framework as I evaluate them. Right. And so I can respect that. If you're, if there's at least a, some consistency to your bias and it's not just click Their bias is based on, this is how ESPN figures it out. Most of the best players in the draft and in the NFL are guys from the Southeast and their perception. So those guys are going to get the benefit of the doubt that a kid from New York's not going to get. Okay. But I already know, I know that going in, so I can live with that. Right. I can deal with that. I can embrace that. So um, yeah, but some of the others, it's just like, man,
1: Ben Tarnowski says, what changes by the new administration would you like to see make the make for Notre Dame Stadium a more hostile environment? Not selling an entire section to opposing fans would be a start for me.
2: Uh, you have to do that, though. I mean, I just think that there that's a – I think every school does that, right? D- doesn't every school give an allotment for the opposing team? Like
1: yeah, I think so. I Everybody so, does yeah. that. Yeah.
2: So <laughs> I, I have no problem with that. Look, at, it, Look, there's nothing the new administration can do. Outside of make sure that you're making the right hires and giving the resources needed for the product on the field to be really good. And I was talking with Tim. I think Tim O'Malley said this on the show right at one point in time, uh, and he he said that like the, I think the loudest game he said it was ever it was '88 Miami. Lou Samoji said that there's 59,000 people in the stadium that day. Yeah, but it was a great product, and the fans at Notre Dame were loud and raucous, and they they loved that team. And fans today, it's like. You know, it's like to, but that's what happen happens, Ryan. When you kind of price yourself out of certain class of people because of how expensive it is, you lose some of that diehardness, and it's now more alums and business people and things like that. And there's just, you know, there's just too much of that. You know, sit down in front. It's a freaking football game, right? I mean, you know, what are we doing here? They need to have a sit down section. If you're yeah. someone who likes to sit for the entire game, this is the row we go right up here behind the team. You can sit in that section. But put a better product on the field. After that, it's about us. It's about Notre Dame fans. You know, it's about Notre Dame fans not selling their tickets to Ohio State fans and stuff like that, right? But like if 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 your team is if you're an eight and four football team, don't get pissed at me that I'm not fired up and cheering really loud when it's 20 degrees <laughs> at the Northwestern game, right? I'm not gonna be there. Yeah, I love Notre Dame, but I'm also not gonna sit in 20 degree weather to watch a crap product. I'll just sit at home and watch the crap product, right? So put a great product on the field, and 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 challenge Notre Dame fans to say, "Hey, how about you guys take some accountability here? How about you value the love of your team over making a buck? How about that? You know, and do it that way. That's I mean, but the product on the field is the main thing that they Dame can do. And somebody in the chat said this, who said some bad takes recently, but this is one. It was Brian Kelly made Notre Dame boring? He really did there's no doubt he made even though but it's not just him they also had some really bad home schedules for a while yeah part of it wasn't their fault it's not their fault USC wasn't very good for a while it's not their fault but Stanford hasn't been good in a while but put a better product in the field right like Ryan if if, if Notre Dame goes out and whoops NC State and all those teams and they're 4-0 and they're ranked in the top 10 and and Ohio State's ranked high, and Notre Dame goes out there and plays great for four quarters, guess what? That's going to be an amazing environment. Amazing environment. Even with a bunch of Ohio State fans there. Yeah, even with a bunch of Ohio State fans there. But guess what? If Notre Dame goes out there and they get their butt kicked for four quarters, guess what? The environment's going to suck. It's not going to be hostile. The best thing to do for a hostile crowd or for a hostile environment is have an intimidating team that people don't like to play. Yep. Right? Give me something to cheer for. You know, I mean, what what was Alabama doing at home before Nick Saban got there? You know, I mean, didn't they lose to like Louisiana Monroe at home in two thousand and seven?
1: Definitely did,
2: right? So was it Wait, wasn't it, like, wasn't
1: that Nick Saban's first year? Yeah, Nick Saban's first year. Yeah,
2: yeah. And they lost at home to Louisiana Monroe. All right, I mean, they lost it. They lost at home to, or they actually they won that game. They barely beat Houston that year. Uh, they barely beat Arkansas at home that year. They played Western Carolina. So the crowds were big, but why were they they not – was it not an intimidating and hostile environment? No, the team sucked. Well, why has Alabama been so much harder to beat at home on the road, like at their place in recent years? Because their team is really freaking good. That's the most hostile thing about it. Did Notre Dame beat Miami in 88 because of a hostile crowd? No, they lost because Notre Dame was really freaking good – and the fans enjoyed seeing that, and the Notre Dame team gave them something to cheer about. Simple right. as that. Yep. Simple as that. Like, at what Ryan, you were at the Cincinnati game. Yes. Like, that was, like, just the environment was, it was a crap environment because it, by that point in time, Notre Dame fans had just come to expect, like, we're probably going to lose today because this is just what we do in big games.
1: There's a lot right? of red in the stadium. Yeah. There's a lot of red in the stadium. Right. Yeah Connor O'Doherty says, Golden Tate was and is my favorite, most favorite player ever. I don't think you have to say most favorite, favorite. uh, (laughs) What did his recruiting profile look like as a recruit, upside grade and pure grade? It was,
2: so I never, I didn't grade him that way. So I I wasn't doing rankings back then, but he had a very weird recruiting profile. So like, I don't think he was ranked super high by scout at the time. Rivals ranked him as the number 101 player in the country, which is pretty good. But ESPN ranked him as the number 11 player in the country. So he had – like by his senior – now, he didn't have a great high recruiting profile when he committed to Notre Dame, but he had a great senior year and some people bumped him up. But, uh, I mean, he, Scout didn't have – if I remember correctly, I'm trying to remember where Scout had him, but they didn't have him ranked super high. His, but he was – he had – ESPN. like I said, ESPN also had uh, Gary Gray, ranked really high coming out. I think he's like top 25 guy. i had carry Neal ranked really high in that class as
1: well. So. I forgot about scout.com. I forgot about scout.com. Yeah. Levi Perez says, what is a priority change that needs to take place under the new administration that will make Notre Dame more of a serious contender to win national championships? Uh,
2: I, I think just if I can only pick one, it would be a greater emphasis on staffing. And I would lead that, lead that broad in, in all ways, not just the on-field. That means, you know, growing the staff bigger within reason, more commitment to off the field staff, make Chad's room bigger, you know, (laughs) make sure that the new guy that's coming in, that's going to do more of the portal stuff, Matt Jansen, the portal stuff, the advanced scouting, make sure he has the staff he needs, you know, make sure you're paying your coaches to keep them there. Like, Don't make these administrative jobs like to where, yeah, we we've now grown it. You now have seven guys in this advanced scouting department, but they're all making 50 grand, which means the first time they get a decent offer from any other school, they're going to leave. Right. So they just use this as a springboard. Make it desirable to be here because continuity is still important. And if you're if you're if you're losing coaches all the time but you're able to keep that back office consistent, then it's going to be a lot easier to keep things rolling when that new coach comes in because you've got the recruiting staff and all this other stuff. Hey, coach, here's where we are. Here's your board, man. Here, man. Here we go. Here's here's what you need. Jazz got six, seven assistants that he can say, hey, here's here's where we are. Let's go get her done. You need some help with this kid? Let us know. We'll do what we got to do to help you out. Uh, I think all, all that stuff. So commitment to making sure that you have the the proper staff and that you, that you are making sure that you're paying these jobs uh, well enough to de- that you can go out and get the best and then keep the yeah. best that's the key
1: well i think that emphasis emphasizes for the coaches too brian or the staff in general like you feel appreciated which makes you makes you work harder right i mean it's like i'm i'm being properly rewarded for the work i'm doing i'm going to continue to grind to the highest level so agree completely i mean you have to treat the people that are the backbone of the program to a certain degree that they want to stick around that they want to continue to grow the program at the high level agree completely.
2: All right. We have a super chat down here from Tyler
1: Evans. Tyler says Texas and Oklahoma who needs a bigger season this year before going to the SEC next year. I think it's Texas personally, Tyler, because I think this is a make it or break it year for Steve Sarkeesian and his coaching staff in general, Oklahoma. I think you could sell if they're just a little bit better eight and four, it's heading in the right direction with where the roster was when coach Venable's Took over, even though I still am not a big Brad Venables fan as far as a head coaching perspective. But I just think that Texas is in a very strange position because if they have a bad year this year, maybe you are like, all right, we need to make a change coaching wise, but and also transition to the SEC. Like that's tough, man. That is a tough transition to to make. So I think it's a make it or break it year for Texas coach Sarkeesian, and I think that they really need to have a big year. This needs to be the year that they break through a little bit.
2: I'm still going to Oklahoma because I think everything you just said about Texas is true at Oklahoma as well because they went six and seven last year. And unlike Brent Venables walked into a completely different situation, Steve Sarkeesian, Steve Sarkeesian could have a five and seven first year and, and not get be put on immediately put on the hot seat because he inherited a, a situation where you fired the coach. Right. You're replacing a guy in Lincoln Riley whose down year was 11 and two.
1: Right? Yeah, but I mean, go, like it took a lot away from that roster. No, I, I get I mean, that.
2: I, well, yeah. I, I understand that, right? And if and yeah. if they weren't going to the SEC, I, I'm not saying what I'm about to say. Because if they were staying in the Big 12, I would say, who needs the bigger year? I'd say Texas. But since they're transitioning the SEC, I think it's Oklahoma. And here's why I say that. Because Oklahoma was able to survive a little bit because they went out and had a big transfer class. Might be a little harder to do continue to do that if you have another down year where you're going to go to the SEC. If I'm going to go to the SEC, I'm going to go somewhere that's actually good. I'm not going to go to your school that you've had two losing records, and I don't know if this guy can coach or not. So I think a lot of those same things are true, but I think Texas would still have the better roster, and they're building on it. Oklahoma really needs to rebound on the field to make sure that they can still be competitive for top recruits once they go to the SEC, in my opinion. But I think the bigger point, Ryan, is I don't think either of them can have bad years this year going into the SEC. I think they both have to have big years. I just, for me, I think think that, brent venables if they go like six and six again seven and five he's gonna be he's gonna be on a very 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 hot seat at that point in time
1: he um, will be but i i think yeah. i think if the texas team underperforms though i think that Sark might be out <laughs> like yeah, that's just possibly kind of thing, you know yeah.
2: possibly i just think it's gonna be harder for him to underperform because i think he's got a much better roster and that's kind of where i'm coming from texas Texas needs to like, so let's just say, let's say that they underperform and, and Sark gets fired. The new coach is going to inherit a really good roster. If Oklahoma struggles again and that guy gets fired, it's not a guarantee that their roster is going to be any good for two reasons. One is mainly is because of what uh, Lincoln took with him, and not just took with him, but then guys left and went other places Mm -hmm. and didn't stay in Oklahoma, Um, which shows how Lincoln Riley recruits Lincoln Riley sells Lincoln Riley. And so when he left, well, why am I here? I was only here because of Lincoln Riley, and uh, I I have some issues with that. I've come to really dislike Lincoln Riley a lot last year. Brilliant coach, but I've come to really dislike him in a lot of ways in recent seasons. So we'll we'll have to see how this one goes.
1: Next question from Connor O'Doherty: What do you guys think about the talk uh, uh, talk about Ohio State? taking over the stadium when they play us i was born in 2001 so i didn't remember nebraska coming up but i remember georgia and that sucked
2: i mean if cincinnati can do it why can't ohio state do it right i mean the administration's got to do what they can do and at the end of the day notre dame fans need to not sell their freaking tickets simple as that like it really is as simple as that this isn't this is one of those non non notre dame questions we get on we haven't got a lot of those today but here here's one
1: Pete Weber said, if you had to go into a career in a world where sports do not exist, what would it be and why? I mean, I was a teacher before this, Pete, so that probably be where I would still be, I guess. So,
2: yeah. If I were to say I want to still do the same format I do now, I'd probably have a political show, to be honest with you. That's probably what it got into, like, co- not getting into politics because I just wouldn't want to get into politics, but I'd probably cover it. Uh, maybe be a history <laughs> teacher that does this on the side, you know, does po- a yeah. political show on the side would probably be it. But, yeah.
1: Yeah, Maybe probably. a famous bowler.
2: There you go. There you go. But you can also do that on the side too.
1: Could do that. Aaron Harrison. I haven't seen your name before. Welcome. Any idea when tickets for Notre Dame for Navy will be released? Scotland here supporting the Irish.
2: I thought I saw the game was sold out. Um mm. I, I could be could wrong be. on that, but I, I honestly don't know. I because I'm not buying tickets. So I I'm usually not the um I'm usually not the guy to ask about tickets because I don't very often buy tickets. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure.
1: Scotland Sorry. in the house, though. I like it. Yeah. Again. Yeah, appreciate that. Because right now it's, uh, I mean, I think they're five or six hours ahead. It's right? late. So it's probably, yeah. 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 Rick Doyle says, hey, Brian, recently I've heard you talk about how close Notre Dame was or could have been to playing or winning a national championship. But I think everyone is forgetting just how close Notre Dame
2: so apparently we didn't start. Is there did we start the second part of that question? Let me see if I can. So he that was at uh let's see here, that was at 133. So let me see if I can find the rest of that statement, Ryan, because it sounds like he was getting ready to make a really great point, but we didn't yep. start the second part of that question. So give me a second, Rick. We'll get there, buddy. But yes, we have definitely talked about that. So we are I'm almost there. Rick at 133. The second part. I don't see a second. Oh, Nope, that one starred. Here we go. Almost there, Rick. Just shows you how, I mean, I'm, it's about 30th scroll. Time I've had to hit the thing to scroll, Ryan. There's a lot of questions today. Let me see if there's a second part to Rick Doyle's question. I, I hope I didn't. Here we go. Okay, Notre Dame. Um, here we go.
1: Continued. In 2012, Stanford and Oregon. Oregon versus Stanford. I believe Notre Dame would have played Kansas State and the national championship game.
2: Sure. I mean, that's, that's true. That's true. I mean, that's not wrong. If Notre Dame would have played K-State, I think if Notre Dame would have played Oregon, they could have won that game potentially. I think Oregon had been a little tougher with all the stuff with Manti, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's true. But what I was more referring to was where they had a team that that, like, if Notre Dame would have won a title in 2012 uh, over Kansas state, Ryan, it would have always been a little tainted in the eyes of the perception, right? Like you beat Kansas state, man. Like, you know, you, didn't play Bama, you didn't play. And, and there would have always been the, but could you have beaten Ohio State that year? Because right, remember that year Ohio State went 12-0 and, and they couldn't yeah. play in the postseason because they were on probation. Yeah, but could you have beat Ohio State? There always have been a, to me, a little bit of a an asterisk by it, because you you beat Kansas State. Fair or not. Uh to me, you win a tie. What what would have been big about the 15 titles, you would have had to beat Alabama to win that one, right? 17, you would have had to beat Alabama to win that one, and Georgia to beat that one. I think that's more where I'm coming from is, is being those teams. But, you know, he's not wrong. He's not wrong at all um, about – about um, Notre Dame has been close. I mean, multiple times they've been close. They yeah. yeah. But I also am trying to get into the whole not the what ifs if, if it would have made it easier to have a weaker opponent, right? Like, exactly. Sustainability. Yeah. Sustainability yeah. is
1: where it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because like one given year you might be able to win one, but are you going to win one most years? Like that's kind of where I'm. Next question, which is a super chat from Connor Grant. Thank you so much, Connor. What Notre Dame recruits were you high on that turned out to not live up to the hype, and what recruits were you down on that were better than expected? I feel like we get asked this one a lot.
2: Yeah, we do get asked this one a lot. I um, that turned out the that, that I was. I mean, the m- biggest one ever for me was Josh Barajas, who I thought was very good. Um, so, I mean, he, he, he's, he's one. So, mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I, I wouldn't say that this guy was a total flop, but I've said this before. I thought Max Redfield was going to be a star at Notre Dame and he yeah. was a good, solid player for part of his career, but yeah. I thought he was going to be a star.
2: Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think I thought, I mean, Javon McKinley injuries kind of shortened his up. I thought he was going to be a lot better. Same. I, I as far as recruits, I was down on that. I wouldn't say that I was down on Kyron Williams. I just thought he had a, a lower ceiling. I, mean, I thought he was a really good high school football player. I just had him lower, much lower than most, and he turned out to be pretty good. That's the biggest example for me. I'm trying to think of somebody else that I wasn't down on that ended up being a really good player. Ooh. I wasn't super high on Jonas Gray, and I thought I was right on that one until his senior year. He was pretty yeah. good as a senior. It was, really was really good, good man.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's really good as a senior. I he's still wish he wouldn't have got hurt. Too. Yeah. Yeah, no, went to the no, NFL, no.
2: had a 200-yard rushing game, and didn't he do something like it was like late he, to a meeting?
1: He was late to the meeting, and Belichick <gasps> was like, you're out of here. <laughs> oh,
2: Jonas, 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 Jonas.
1: I don't know. Uh, yeah, his, just his, two- his entire career could have went completely different. If oh, yeah. Had, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: Michael Mahoney it had a couple super stickers. Thank you very much for those,
1: Michael. Thank you, sir. We had a question from Florida Ivor. who said, how serious is Notre Dame looking at Carter Smith? Only curious as I will have to check out some of his games this fall. If he's some, someone they are serious about. Is this Carlton Smith? Did he mean Carlton Smith, the twenty twenty five kid? The quarterback? Oh, the, oh, they're talking about the quarterback. Yeah. Got it, got it. Yeah. I thought they meant Carter Carlton Smith, Smith and the, the linebacker. Back kid. No, yeah. no, they're talking about
2: the quarterback. Uh, are they serious about how serious? Right now their focus is on Deuce. If they don't get Deuce, then like Bear Bachmeyer, Carter Smith, some guys like that will become bigger priorities. So I like Bear but also most likely Florida Irish will know by the time the season starts if you need yes. to pay more attention to him. Right now I'd say the focus is on is on Deuce night. But if they miss on Deuce, then he might I think he'll be a kid that they look at
1: more. Have you have you watched Bear Bachmeyer's highlights where he's wearing number forty seven as a quarterback? It's fantastic, yes,
2: it's Very yeah. weird.
1: Yeah, I asked him about that the other day, by the way. It was pretty funny.
2: What was his answer?
1: Uh, He said that that was his Little League number. He didn't play quarterback, so he just always wears 47. It's like, oh, okay. Sure. My first
2: football (laughs) number is 27. Steve Atwater.
1: Nice, nice. Irish Mills, 540. Describe your reaction when Notre Dame wins their next natty. Part two, what changes for the program when Notre Dame gets over the hill again? I mean – I, I am a I am a fan that has never seen a national championship, so I'll be very honest. Probably going to cry a little bit. <laughs> I'll be yeah. honest about it. It's going to be a special moment. It really will. So I'm going to be super the, excited when that
2: happens. The two biggest things that always happen when a team wins a title, Ryan, is number one, you see a recruiting bump. And number two, you see a financial windfall of people giving to the school. Yes. I mean, both of those things happen. So that'll happen. To Notre. that Those are the, the, the two easy things. As far as what changes for the program, I think there will honestly, you know it's here's how Notre Dame is. This is what's so crazy about Notre Dame. If you're trying to fight for certain things into your program and you win a title, yep. it's going to make it harder for you to get those things because they'll say, well, you already won a title and you didn't need that. Why? You know what I mean? And that's what they'll say. That's how Notre Dame is, which drives me freaking
1: nuts. We had a question from Karsten Horvath. We have a fun uh, Ohio State guy in the chat, by the way. Who, uh, yeah, uh Karsten need Horvath. Me to,
2: need me to give the boot? No,
1: nah, I don't think. He, I, mean, I don't think he's being disrespectful. It's just kind of funny. Karsten uh, Horvath. The day Drew Pine played against Wisconsin and Cincinnati, why did they act as if so limited in 2022? Could he have had a better year in 2022 if he was on the field more in 2021? I,
2: I mean, don't think. I don't think yeah. so.
1: I mean, would he be a little bit better? I mean, experience factor matters, I think, a little bit. Could he been a little bit? Sure. I mean, I just – Drew Pine has a low ceiling, though. Like, I don't think it's like a ton better, Carson's here. Ryan, point, it's, the, it's
2: the classic backup quarterback thing. Like, when you don't have any film of a guy, it's easier to game plan. It's it's hard. It, Like, look at how good he was his first couple starts, right? Well, after Cal, he was yeah. really good against Carolina and really good against BYU. Why couldn't that continue? Because teams had film on him. They say, okay, well, we're not gonna let you have that anymore. We're gonna make you throw the ball downfield, we're gonna play tight coverage, or you know, and he couldn't do it. And there's also a lot more pressure on a guy when he's the starter than there is when he's the backup. I mean, those things factor into it as well. And you know, throwing to Kevin Austin makes things a little bit easier in 2021 compared to 2022 as well. So sure, uh look, could the experience have helped him? I, I don't know how much the experience would have helped him, Ryan, because his two best games were two of his first three starts. <laughs> I mean he was worse the longer he was in the rotation because team, I actually think he would have been worse in 2022 if he would have played more 21, because there, the book would have been written on him already. You'd have known who he was and you'd have known how to, what he was, what his limitations were. But, uh, you know, I, then the flip side is, but maybe you lose to, to somebody better, but then you don't lose to Stanford if he had more experience. Right. I mean, so there's always that, that, that double take. So, um but no he came off the bench against Cincinnati with no pressure and did really well he came off the bench against Wisconsin and I mean didn't really do a whole I mean he didn't really do a whole lot he had that he had that one nice drive where he threw the touchdown pass to to Kevin Austin but he also got sacked and fumbled the ball which allowed Wisconsin to take a lead in the fourth quarter in that game as well right and then Chris Tyree gave it back so he did what you ask a backup quarterback to do. He came in, played with guts and grit, and you know did a good job. But I don't think it would have changed a whole lot, to be honest with you, Ryan. I really don't. Uh, I answer this one real quickly, too, from Emmett uh, Andrew Gilmore. Uh, could Notre Dame get back in on Emmett Mosley's son, or has that ship sailed, Ryan? That, that ship's definitely sailed. They yeah, tried definitely. to get on him. That, that, that was not about Notre Dame uh, lack of effort from Notre Dame. Right. Um, another quick one, Andrew Gilmore. Are we redshirting Kenny Minchie? I I, it depends. I mean, if he's the backup quarterback, the answer is no. Uh, right. If he's your number two quarterback, then you definitely do not want to redshirt him because you need to get him as much experience as possible yep. uh, going into next year. Now, if it works out to where he only plays four games, then fine. Redshirt him. Yep. But I'm not redshirting him. If the circumstances lead to a redshirt, Ryan, then sure, because there's not enough games to blow people out but I'm not looking to redshirt him because he has, a, if he's my number two this year, he then goes into the off season with the best chance to be the starter next year. I agree. Um, real quick here from Tyler uh, with misguided passion. Bing is Wingo still talking to the guys at Notre Dame. Yes, he is just trying to get a few of these here real quick, Ryan. Sure. And then here's one I want you to answer. This is from okay. Tim B. What is your floor ceiling for Tyson Ford this fall? Does he get used to the weight?
0: I
1: mean, I've, uh, I've,
2: I've kind of talked about this one. That's why I want you to answer.
1: Yeah. Does he get used to the weight? Yeah, I think so, Tim. I think that he, because it's it's been like a year and a half process of putting the weight on, right? He's got a frame that I think 290 plus is easy on him. What is his floor ceiling? I think the ceiling for 2023 is that he becomes a key rotational player inside for Notre Dame. And again, I'm not saying starter. I'm saying that he's the mixing guy of Riley needs a breather. Tyson four comes on to be that three tech that you're being able to get some substantial reps out of him. I think that's the ceiling. The floor is, is that he still needs another year, right? Like that's yeah. kind of where you are with it. Does he play a little he, bit? Sure. Yeah. Does he, does he really develop into a key rotational player? That's where the question lies in the sense, I think that Tyson has all the talent in the world. Will it be in 2023 though? It's possible. He might need another year. We shall see though.
2: It, it, Tyler playing this year is going to, or Tyson playing this year, Ryan, is really going to come down to Tyson. Does he yeah. put in the work? He's still a, a very youngish kid mentally and emotionally. I think he just needs to to you know he's a super talented kid learning what it takes to to take that next step. That's really what it boils down to, yep. for me. All right, real quick, real uh, is Wingo serious or just flirting thing? I mean, he's just talking, right? Right now, he's not. We said this last week, man. He's not a player for Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame's talking to him; he's receptive, but they're not a player for him right now. That, that, that I'm not yeah. trying to get people's f- false. False to get people's hopes up on that one. I'm, I'm not. He's talking to him. I don't think it's going to go anywhere right now. They're going to have to put a good – I don't care what they say to him or how much he talks to them right. If they don't put a great product in the field, then you have no shot with Ryan Wingo. That's, so no right point. now they don't have yeah. as much of a shot with Ryan Wingo. But Definitely. they're talking to him. That's about all I can say. But I'm not going to sit here and lie to you all and say, hey, you know, they he's in the game again, even with – and I'm not saying that. I'm not Top saying that.
1: three school for yeah. Ryan Wingo right no. now. Yeah. not
2: saying yeah. that at all. <laughs>
1: We had another super chat from Just Your Ordinary Joe. Thank you so much. Sometimes you describe that a player's struggles are in his head. How is that knowable without spending time in conversation, etc. From staff who know, or have you just been doing this long enough?
2: A little bit of air. I mean, we, we get to know these kids. We get to yeah. know their coaches. We get to know their parents. Um, it's also uh,
1: body language, can tell a lot, and yeah.
2: So I got this lady texting me uh, stuff about the uh, an order my wife put in, and this lady still texting me, and I'm like, t- I'm telling my wife, can you please deal with this? Um, so apparently my wife put in a shipped order. It's I like, dude, uh, Joe, there's a, this is a good question, very good question. So if we're ever going to say things like that, then we need to we need to say it. Number one, it's it's uh, to a degree. Uh, if we're talking about like on the field, it's body language. Ryan, like yep. you can see when a guy's struggling mentally, his okay. technique becomes like, it's like, if you're watching baseball Joe and you watch a pitcher who all of a sudden just looks like really mechanical, it's cause he's, it's in his head. He's like, he's in his own head. Like he just can't figure it out. Like you remember when, uh, when Rick Ann Keel lost it and like, mm-hmm. you could see him visibly, he's not at all confident what he's doing. You could just see it. Right. You don't have to be there. You could see it. Yeah. Um, a guy's playing slower cause he's not certain of himself Whenever he makes a mistake, Ryan, his head goes down. That's a yeah. sign of a guy who's in his head. And then it leads to the, the, next, mistake the me- next mistake and the next mistake and uh, the next mistake. Those are the easiest ways to do it. We get to know these kids. We may talk to dad, uh, may talk to mom, maybe we talk to high school coach who says, yeah, he's really struggling or he's, you know, you learn those things beforehand. This is a kid with this kind of attitude or whatever. So it's it's all types of ways, man. And then a part of it, and then that other part of it is you know, been doing this long enough. What's well, not like a psych- psychic sense? What it is, Joe, is is um, you start to look for certain cues with kids that give it give it away that yeah, this kid's a little bit in his in his head right now in different ways. Whether that's and it can mean a whole lot of different things. Yep. Thanks for the super chat, by the way, Joe. Appreciate you, buddy.
1: John A One says, "What's the bigger risk to the 2023 season: an underperforming off- underperforming offensive line or defensive line?"
2: a good question i i, I want to say defensive line ryan because i feel like if the offensive line underperforms but it's still okay yeah. if the receiver step up and if this and if that they can still be pretty good on offense i feel like if the defensive line doesn't play well they're not good enough at safety or linebacker to overcome it
1: i, I agree I, with you on that yeah i, think I agree there yeah. yeah if the quarterback
2: wasn't sam hartman i might change my opinion on that if that you know we saw Sam Hartman win 11 games with a, a not very good offensive line and a defense that gave up yep. 29 points a couple years ago. That's very true. But yeah.
1: We had Raymond Hartman who said, "Can you guys explain a little a little more what you mean with the D-line one gapping or two gapping?" Thanks. Yeah, Raymond, I mean basically the easiest way to explain is two gapping, you're playing Straight down a man where you are responsible for two gaps. So once you're right, once you're left. So you're kind of playing down the middle of an offensive lineman, so that you have the ability to fall into either gap. So you'll see a lot of the bigger defensive linemen play straight down the middle, gain extension, and then kind of peek to see which where the running backs going or where the action's going, so that they're responsible for two different gaps. In a and usually what that involves is a bigger defensive lineman, a guy that can gain extension, a little bit of a bigger butt. One-gapping defensive linemen are much more penetration style, which means that they are going to take a gap quickly, and they're only responsible for a single gap every single play. So they're either an A-gap, B-gap, C-gap player, so on and so forth. So think about Aaron Donald, how he wins for the Rams. Can Aaron Donald two-gap a little bit if you need him to? Sure, but what he does really well is he's going to be responsible for one gap and use his quickness to take that gap and be a penetration-style player. So, usually smaller defensive linemen, the Howard Crosses of the world, the Jason Adam Malolas of the world, mm-hmm. they are going to be better taking one gap because they aren't the biggest defensive linemen of all time. Think about what Alabama was able to do with guys like Dalvin Tomlinson, Jerron Reed, Deron Payne, like those bigger defensive linemen that can play down a man a little bit more and responsible for two gaps. I hope that makes sense. Good answer. We had TDD. Brahmi four, who says mailbag, what would you do as a head of media team to contribute to the improvements of recruitments, of recruiting?
2: I, I think young people are incredibly uh, into visual learning. I think that it is it is imperative that Notre Dame, this is why we keep talking about this, do more stuff on socials, do more videos from practice, do more really cool things that are out there that have pictures or videos attached to them. Yeah. I think doing cool videos where kids are like – South Carolina did something that was a little cheesy, but it's like along the same lines. They they reenacted the Maverick scene uh, with the guys playing football on the beach uh, yeah. with the coaching staff. Like, okay, but they're trying. They're doing the right thing. Like, I would do more to promote Marcus Freeman uh, uh, as far as to kids. Like, make him a rock star. That's going to help you recruit better. You know, do more things where you're doing mic'd up coaches and all that type of stuff. Like, I want to see more of that type of stuff. You know what I mean, Ryan. Like give me more of that kind of stuff. And, and I would, I mean, every day, if I don't have a video of something or some kind of thing going out, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff, um, uh, highlight videos, mic'd up stuff from every practice is what you need to see. In my opinion.
1: We had Elijah Mills said with all the hype around Tobias Merriweather, what is realistic expectations for him? I mean, Elijah, I think that the, the expectations are in the impact that he provides. I mean, we can come up with numbers, right? Like, 50 for 800 yards, or maybe you want to go a little higher and say 60 for a thousand double digit touchdowns, whatever. I think more than anything, it's Notre Dame had an absence of creating big plays last year enough. Right. And I think that's what Tobias Merriweather can can provide a guy that can vertically orient create really stress a defense and be able to create big plays and to create plays out as an outside receiver that's yep. the impact you need I think minimum Ryan five hundred fifty and
2: 700 to me is the is the flourish for me I think the other thing too is it's not just his impact but if you have to really worry about him at the x or the, I think it's the z now yeah. it also makes life a little easier on Chris Tyree and Jaden Cratehouse in the slot because that safety has to keep an eye a lot on him and if you're trying to chase Chris Tyree on an over route and you're also kind of a little bit peeking over to device Merriweather you're done you're done and so I think it's it's that's the thing is great players Ryan or or impact players don't just impact on what they do this is why I said why I would I would always take Michael Floyd over Golden Tate always in college because Golden Tate was great when he got the ball when he wasn't getting the ball he was like kind of jogging off the line not blocking anybody like Michael Floyd could go out there and dominate a game if and catch five passes because he was going to have fifteen plus blocks in the game. Right? Right. He was such a force. He was going to run the route like he was going to get the ball every time. So you had to focus on him, which would then open up other people. It, that's the guy that I want. The guy that right. not only is he producing, but his level of play opens up opportunities for other players. And I think Tobias can be that kind of guy. That that's that's the big one for me. And then we got we got one more Ryan, and then and then we're yeah. gonna wrap it up here
1: smile average says hey brian you back on the bandwagon for those battling cincinnati reds winners of 20 of their last 24
2: still don't care about baseball <laughs> so i'm i'm just i'm done with baseball i am like i'm i'm over it so i just yeah. i've had zero interest i mean it's, i see it I'm, i've am i noticed it you know i see tweets and stuff about it and i'll see highlights every now and then but i just don't playing care good about ball,
1: baseball. man playing good ball I right heard, now yep care. So here's what playing happened. Pretty decent ball even right if now.
2: i even if i didn't care about baseball here's okay so cool i could enjoy this you know this de la cruz kid or whatever for a couple years until the yankees sign him right or they trade him yeah. because he's you know for a bunch of other prospects i mean that's how the reds are so did I, just, I just
1: don't care did you, did you see his little uh bat thing That he i did, love, the I did other see day? that, tweet. that i love that you want to check fantastic. you wanna check
2: it again i love that that was fun. but i just saw i mean i <laughs> awesome, saw the tweet man. about it i wasn't like watching the game but i i, I, I like i like guys that absolutely play with
1: a little incredible Absolutely incredible. A little,
2: little swagger. Last question here, Ryan, we actually had one pop up that I want to answer.
1: Ty Croner says as an outside, how many more wins does Sam Hartman give you this season without him? What do you think Notre Dame's record is? Well, I, I think minimum two wins. I think that's why I think the floor is, is 10
2: to two minimum two wins yeah. there. Um, as far as what, without him, what do I think Notre Dame's record is? It'd be a lot tougher to go 10 to two. What would the record be? Nine and three, eight and four. I don't know the answer to that without seeing some of this, uh, but I, I would not feel as good this year as I did last year because, like with Drew Pine, you knew who Drew was. Like we said last year, like Drew can get you out of games and win most games, right? And went eight and two as a starter. Uh, you know, with with some of these other guys, Ryan, it's just it's a little tougher. It's yep. a little tougher because we just, and now Kenny Minch, you may end up being better than Drew Pine. I just have I I don't have how can I possibly know that? I've never seen the kid throw a pass in college, right? Except the running for his life in the spring game. Got so I, I don't know. So I minimum two wins. Minimum two wins, two wins is fair. but the schedule's rough this year. I mean, so if you don't have experience easy. at quarterback, it's going to be a lot tougher. So yeah, but that's, that's do a good thing Ryan. about
1: baseball is uh, they got the war, the wins above replacement, which is actually yeah. kind of an interesting Well, that,
2: Sam Hartman yeah. was the, the – Pro Football Focus has some of that. Yeah. Uh, and Sam Hartman was their number one guy last year, by that's the awesome. way. So um, – and that's what makes me laugh when people say, okay, but he's not going to have that impact in Notre Dame? Like, with right. better plays around, it just doesn't make any sense to me, but it is what it yeah. is. So why don't you take us out of here, Ryan, and remind people of where they need to go right now uh, because the other show just launched. So uh, why don't you take us out of here?
1: Yeah, man. Go, go hang out with Sean Styers and the crew on the channel right now. Yep. Rapid fire Friday. As always, we want to thank you all though, for of course, for being with us for the Friday free for all mailbag, but make sure you go over to that show now. And the way that you can always be reminded that show is happening, say that little notification bell. If you're not subscribed to the podcast, also hit the like button. We'd really appreciate it. If you want to comment after the video, that also helps, obviously, in all the algorithm stuff. Of course, go to averagebreakdown.com as we continue to have some more off-season intel, recruiting intel. It's a very busy month of July with the recruiting barbecue at the end of the month. Obviously, Kingston Villamo Asa, top linebacker of St. John Bosco, is still eyeing a commitment sometime soon over the next couple weeks, obviously, at the end of the month. So if you want to make sure you – Five-star reviews also on your favorite podcast platform is always very appreciated from Ryan. That is Brian. Thank you so much for joining the Friday free for all mailbag. We'll be back again on Monday at your regular viewing hour for the recruiting hour. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast here at the Irish breakdown podcast. Thank you all so much for joining the show. Have a great weekend.